Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of If You Smell What the Arch is Cooking. I'm your host, Archie Mitchell, back for another action-packed week where we will be having our quick hits, our highlight reel featuring both Raw and SmackDown, and we'll be looking at a full in-depth review of NXT and AEW Dynamite. I want to thank you guys for joining me as usual, and I want to let you know that my frosty beverage has already been popped. That's right, I couldn't wait, and I have got my cigarette in hand, so it's time for us to buckle up and get in to this ride that involves me spewing my venom, my hate, and my love for the world of professional wrestling. So let's not waste any time. Let's go ahead and get into those quick hits. And tonight, we will be going ahead and looking at our first quick hit, which involves the Ringside News Twitter page. Ringside News is somewhat of a reputable wrestling news page a dirt sheet whatever have you and they were posting weird facts about the wwe and aew what do i mean by weird facts well ladies and gentlemen here let's go ahead and take a look for ourselves the first post that they put up on twitter is tony khan has hosted several after parties with talent and dirt sheet writers after shows at the hotels they stay at That include illegal drugs and a lot of booze. Ooh. Fun fact number two, Sean uh, Ross Sapp loves sliding into DMs that are not his wife. Okay. Fun fact number three, threatened to, uh, AEW threatened to sue Ringside News after we asked them not to put our logo on the Fighter Fest promotional artwork a few years back. Okay. And finally, the strip club in Orlando called Tootsie's is a hotspot for WWE talent trying to hook up with strippers. Now, this has happened before with Ringside News. They have had their Twitter hacked or the people running it went and got a little drunk or a little crazy and decided to post some fun facts. Whatever the case may be, I do expect there to be some kind of repercussions for this because, as we all know, Tony Khan loves to jump on Twitter and criticize those who criticize him. Also, Vince McMahon being back in the WWE, he is not going to allow his talent or his company to be tarnished while he's trying to sell. And moving into our second quick hit, Vince McMahon reportedly being sued after taking back his position in the WWE and the board of directors. These uh, lawsuits are coming from shareholders, ladies and gentlemen. That's right, people who feel that this is unfair, and being done unjustly. Now, this also has to do with that whole rumor that went on that Saudi Arabia was buying the WWE last week and that they were looking to go ahead and turn WWE back into a privately owned company. No trading on the start market, no more being an open company for everybody to share and do with their stocks. So obviously shareholders got pissed off and hearing that Vince McMahon was back and all this other stuff that was going on cause them to go ahead and put up lawsuits. Now, whether these are frivolous lawsuits, whether a judge is even going to hear these people out is beyond me. I don't know the judicial system, but what I do know is it is very bad light being put on the WWE, especially because we are on the road to WrestleMania. Vince McMahon should have not come back, in my opinion, or he should have came back, but in a more quieter role, in a more quieter way, because what he has done is bullied his way back into the board of directors, fired three people that he deemed were unfit to be there, put people he wanted back in charge, 
and is now trying to dish to WWE to anyone who will take it and pay his ballooned cost. Now, that's fine and well. He could do what he wants with his company. But if it's going to come at the uh, uh, everyone else's throat, if it's going to come out of our throat, if it's going to make fans not watch, if it's going to make the product bad, if it's going to be sold to a company who doesn't auto handle it, well, Jesus Christ, we might as well have Dixie Carter and Panda Energy running that damn thing. You know what I'm saying? It's ridiculous. Vince should have stayed in the shadows, helped to uh, get the sale of the company going, and not even thought about mentioning his name again, because whenever that man's name is mentioned, something bad happens. Finally, quick hit number three, a more somber one. Jay Briscoe, part of the Briscoe tag team with his brother Mark, passed away this week. He has died at the age of 39 after a tragic car accident involving himself, his wife, and his daughters. One of his daughters is in intensive care and going through surgeries. GoFundMes have been set up and have been donated to by the likes of Chris Jericho and other wrestling personalities like Kevin Owens. You know, forget about that. Let's talk about the man himself. Jay Briscoe was a class act. I don't care what you say about his past words on Twitter or what he said about his feelings about anything about other people. When it came to get in the ring and actually have a damn match or cut a promo during a wrestling show, he was one of the best. He and his brother were tag team wrestling. I had the privilege of about, I want to say, 11 or 12 years ago, meeting Jay Briscoe at an indie event in Rahway, New Jersey. And I thought I was meeting Teddy Hart and Jack Evans, but they slipped out the back and the Briscoes took over for the meet and greet after the show was over. And Jay and Mark talked to their fans. They talked to myself and my son, who at the time was 11 years old. You know, they, they stayed in character, but they were still doing, you know, being there themselves. They were being, you know, these, these brash, uh, uh, you know, Mississippi, Alabama backwoods brothers, who even though they didn't have the beards yet and weren't all rough and tumble, we're still doing their best to be the character. They were some of the finest people in this business that I've ever met. And it is hard for me to say that he has passed on. But Jay, I wish your family the absolute best. And I wish them my condolences. I know you're up there in heaven. You're having some of the best wrestling matches you could ever possibly have now. And I just got to say, Wrestling World took a huge loss this last week in losing Jay Briscoe. So... With that being said, let's go ahead and get into my favorite part of the show, as you know, the highlight reel, ladies and gentlemen, and let's see what went down on Raw and SmackDown. And overhead on, on Monday Night Raw, the Bloodline and Judgment Day opening, seeing the Usos and Solo Sokoa go face-to-face -face with uh, Dominic Mysterio, Rhea Ripley, and, you know, Finn Balor and Damian Priest was pretty, pretty great. Uh, it was somewhat funny, and it was pretty brutal as well when it comes to actual fighting. I thought Solo was going to take Rhea's head off. And then when Dominic gave him that right hand and he knocked him the hell out with a headbutt, great job by Solo. I cannot wait to see the Bloodline and Judgment Day have a match next week for the WWE Tag Team titles. Then uh, the Street Profits taking on... Shelton Benjamin and uh, Cedric Alexander. Great tag team wrestling. I have to say, all week this week in wrestling, tag team wrestling was alive and well. 
So it was a great matchup. All four men did a great job. MVP got involved, making people question who's going to be in this new Hurt business if they bring it back. Are the you know still going to be the same players? Are they going to add new new people? Whatever it is, let's wait and see what happens. Number three, Becky and Bailey's face off. Very well done. Both women getting personal. Both women talking about their past with each other and the four horsewomen. Uh, it was nice to see them get pretty emotional as they were de delivering their lines. I think this feud, even though it's continuing on and has been going on since SummerSlam, really, is getting a big payoff probably at the Royal Rumble. Uh, number four, Alexa Bliss and Bianca Belair's brawl ending with Uncle Howdy showing up in the well, it, railway area, stopping Bianca from taking out Alexa. Alexa delivering that DDT on the outside and definitely setting up more of this feud going into the Royal Rumble for the Raw Women's Tag Team titles. And finally, the main event, a six-man elimination main event with uh, Seth Rollins, Baron Corbin, Dolph Ziggler, Bobby Lashley, Finn Balor, and The Miz. Um, all six men did a fantastic job. You know, usually when you get into a multi-person match, whether it be a six-man tag or a six-way elimination match, and you've got this many personalities going, you end up with a clusterfuck and a lot going on all around the arena. No. These six men kept it in the ring. They had a great match. Ziggler and Miz, definitely the stars of the matchup there. Lashley gets the win and now has a shot at Austin Theory for the United States Championship. Over on SmackDown, it was a little more talking heavy because if you notice, Raw had a couple of matches there and leading into other matches for next week and the Royal Rumble. But on SmackDown, number one, Michael Cole paying his condolences to the family of Jay Briscoe and putting Mark and Jay Briscoe over as one of the best tag teams in the world, having them never been in the WWE. Uh, Sami Zayn and Roman Reigns' argument backstage that played out throughout the entire show. Sami again becoming somber and upset that he might be getting thrown out of the bloodline. Roman giving him tough love and then saying he should just throw him out. And seeing Paul Heyman, although being a bit snaky and saying that he didn't like Sami Zayn from the beginning, but let's use him because we're going against Kevin Owens at the Royal Rumble. Very, very well done. Uh, the return of the Firefly Funhouse was fun. Seeing the puppets again and hearing them deliver their lines about, you know, uh, everything that's going on with LA Knight was hysterical. Uh, seeing Bray Wyatt possibly going back to the feed character and then Uncle Howdy on the television and everything that was going on with that. A lot of going on in the Firefly Funhouse, but it all leads to that Mountain Dew pitch black match at the Royal Rumble and the mind games that are now being set out towards LA Knight. Um, the, uh, then we got the uh, Rich Holland and Butch taking on Imperium, the only match that you will see on this list for the highlight reel on SmackDown. Great tag team match. Again, tag, tag team wrestling was on high this week. Uh, this was a tag team tournament matchup, and now Imperium will take on Legato Del Fantasma next week in the second round. But all four of these brutish men going at it. And then finally, number five, Roman Reigns and Kevin Owens contract signing to end out SmackDown in which Kevin Owens finally got the upper hand. Kevin Owens took out the entire bloodline except for Sami Zayn and we got left with that puzzled look on Sami Zayn's face as he held the contract in his hand, looked over at Kevin Owens in the uh, in the arena and looked over at Roman Reigns getting lift up from the floor after being put through a table. Great storytelling in that, that instance. Very well done by the WWE in my humble opinion with that being said let's not waste any more time let's go ahead now and get into our nxt show review 
see what they had to deliver. And also, just a reminder, check out everything that is here on WrestleNet Radio, such as A Slice in Time, The Year That Was, We Can't Wrestle Podcast, Mark Cindy Spotlight, and of course, my other show, The Nothing But Trouble Podcast, where myself and seven of my lifelong buddies talk about everything, including coming up this week, if you didn't notice, it is a wrestling episode, ladies and gentlemen. We talk about the entire uh, business of the Saudi Arabia deal that was almost possibly happening between the WWE and Saudi Arabia, and then we talk about some old-time wrestling and our favorites, so make sure you check it out. Now, moving over to NXT, Vic Joseph and Booker T welcome us to this week's show, and we go to the ring for our opening badge, and it is uh, Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams taking on Apollo Crews and Axiom. This was a great opener, and both teams went back and forth. Trick and Axiom started us off, and Trick tried to gain the upper hand, but Axiom wouldn't allow it. Carmelo comes in and gets the best of Axiom, but Apollo tagged in, and we got the two of the best in NXT fighting it out. Hayes went for his finisher, but Cruz blocked it, countered with his own finisher, and picked up a big win. Definitely a must-see tag match. We then see a video of Tony D and Stax discussing business on a bridge. Tony tells Stax he's done a lot of growing up this year, but the Dijak match did not go the way he wanted to. It looks like Stax might be getting whacked, but no. Tony D makes him the underboss and presents him with a shirt. Uh-huh. I thought that if you got made in the mafia, you, you, I don't know. Whatever. We won't talk about it here, ladies and gentlemen. Good highlights and video of uh, how Toxic Attraction co-won the Battle Royal last week and then a shift to McKenzie with Tiffany Stratton. We see footage of Tiffany pissing off Indy Hartwell and then another annoying-as-fuck promo from Stratton. Was the idea to make her every 90s blonde girl from every movie unanimous? Like, who came up with this character? My God. Gigi and JC come to the ring and tell the NXT fans that they told them exactly what they were going to do last week, and they did it. Lyra Valkyrie interrupts them, and then they beat her down. But Roxanne Perez makes the save, and that's our main event tonight. A tag match between Toxic Attraction, Valkyrie, and Perez. Backstage, the Creeds are arguing over who gets to wrestle Jinder Mahal next. Ivy now flips out and uh, then tells them both that they need to grow up, gain a set, and get back to basics in the uh, Diamond Mind. Alba Fire then tucked on Sal Roca. We talked about this last week, how this match was made. Another good match tonight. Both women were throwing everything they had at one another. Roca is slowly growing as a talent, and Alba is one of the best on the roster. Fire had the upper hand and almost had the match won, but Isla Dawn showed up and caused the distraction. When Alba turned uh, back around, Roca hit her with her finisher, which is actually pretty damn cool to see, and got an upset win. A vignette for Dijak is shown next, and he goes over everything from Tony D to Stax to Wesley and ends by saying that the North American title will be his at Vengeance Day. Vic Joseph has a pre-recorded interview with Grayson Waller. Waller acts annoying as he possibly can and keeps stressing that he didn't get pinned last week. He says that at Vengeance Day, he will beat Braun Breaker at the most important day in NXT history. Well, I have to say, Waller is doing his job, ladies and gentlemen, because I cannot stand this man. He has nuclear X-Pac heat with me, and I wish that he would just go away. Gallus, Briggs, and Jensen are all shown walking to the ring and are ready for their matchup tonight. Alba Fire is then shown beating down a referee, and Carter and Chance, the NXT Women's Tag Team Champions, try to help. They attempt to calm her down, but she flips out and challenges them for the tag team titles with or without a partner. If the partner doesn't end up being Isla Dawn, I'm going to be disappointed, ladies and gentlemen, because that would be one hell of a twist. 
We get another teaser for the returning of uh, Tyler Bate. That should be good tonight. And then Gallus and Briggs and Jensen go to the ring for their matchup. And this was a fight and a damn good one. All four men teed off on each other. And I have to say, Briggs and Jensen looked great. That is until Kiana James came out to check on Jensen. And Fallon and Kiana decided to argue and allow Jensen to get injured. Gallus took over and Wolfgang and Kofi took out Briggs with their finisher and picked up another big win. And now they have to look forward to a tag title shot with the New Day. Thea Hale has a match tonight, and Duke Hudson is helping her calm down. Andre Chase comes in and calls out Hudson about a video regarding his words about Chase U. They go to argue, but they then Thea bails, begs them to uh, stop arguing and worry more about her match, and Duke walks off. That's getting worse by the day, ladies and gentlemen. Jensen is being looked at by the trainer. Fallon Henley is bitching about Keanu James. Briggs tries to get it over, said, and done with, but Jensen says he likes James and she likes him, so Fallon can deal with it. This soap opera shit needs to end. Thea Hale then took on Valentina Faraz. Uh, this was a standard match between two women who are still learning. No put-downs here. They did a great job of what they had. Electra Lopez came out to watch the matchup. Hale picked up the win, and the crowd was behind both women the whole way. Well done. Apollo Crews is out back and making fun of Carmelo and Trick. He continues to goof on them and says it's time to celebrate, but first he needs a fresh cut. Do they know of a good barber? Trick delivers the line of the night when he says, fresh cut? He's bold. <laughs> the announcers pay tribute to Jay Briscoe, as the WWE did on every show after his passing. A class act by the WWE for doing this. Electra Lopez tries to motivate Valentina Faraz and tells her that she needs to stop sulking over Sangha. She mentions her time in Legato and tells Faraz to watch her match next week with Wendy Chu. The New Day come out and talk about being done with Pretty Deadly and defending against Gallus at Vengeance Day. Pretty Deadly come out and jaw jack, but that brings out Gallus and everyone ends up brawling to end the segment. I smell another three-way dance here, ladies and gentlemen. Mackenzie interviews Roxanne Perez and Lyric Valkyrie. They both talk about their main event tag match and discuss their common enemies. Javier Belnell then interrupts and tries to sing for the ladies, but neither want that. He walks away saying it was a tough crowd. Why did this guy get so much TV time? Jesus. Vic Joseph has a second pre-recorded interview tonight with uh, Braun Breaker. Braun says he didn't get the chance to put Waller away and prove that he was better and that, you know, no ifs, ands, or buts about it because now there are a lot of what-ifs. He plans to silence everyone and beat Waller at Vengeance Day. We then go to the ring for the returning Tyler Bate, the former UK champion, and Harvey Burnell. He makes his way to the ring and destroys Harvey Burnell in this matchup. Bate had a reversal or a submission for everything Harvey tried to throw. The ending sequence was great, and Bate got the win. Can we send Harvey back to the Indies or wherever the hell he came from, please? Briggs and Jensen are backstage again, and Fallon comes back to apologize. She says next week she and Kiana will team up, and she's doing it for Jensen. God, why won't they end this and just let Briggs and Jensen be a badass tag team? It's time for our main event now. It's Toxic Attraction, then take on take on uh, Roxanne Perez and Lyra Valkyrie. Decent match, but not worthy of the main event spot, in my opinion. Dolan and Jane look great as usual, and Perez continues to impress. But the new girl Valkyrie just isn't that good. Gigi and JC had a miscommunication, allowed Roxanne to hit her finisher on Dolan and get a huge win. Not the best way to book your new number one contenders, but whatever. Post-match, Perez celebrates as Toxic Attraction have an argument inside the ring. NXT was good, but not great. 
Still a 3.5 out of 5 this week, and that's because the good definitely did not outweigh the bad. Uh, you know, they need to pick it up. It's been 3.5 out of 5 every week for me so far. I just think NXT has more to offer, and they're just not putting it, you know, pulling out all the stops, especially with a pay-per-view, and it's an on-the-road pay-per-view coming up. So, here we go, going into now our AE Dynamite review, ladies and gentlemen. And starting off, AEW Dynamite Excalibur welcomes us to the show. And we go to the ring for our opening matchup. Jay Lethal takes on Orange Cassidy for the All-Atlantic Championship. A great back-and-forth matchup here as both guys were having a really good matchup. Uh, excuse me. Matchup here. Uh, Jarrett Dutt and Santam were all bought, uh, had to buy tickets because apparently they were not allowed at ringside. Uh, and this allowed for a good mix, mix of wrestling and comedy. Lethal tried to win with a roll-up, but Cassidy hit the orange punch and got a big win. Post-match, Jarrett and Satam tried to attack after the matchup was over, but Sanjay stopped them because he could apparently be fired if they would have attacked Orange Cassidy. That is what the storyline they're going with from here on, you know, on out. Either way, good opening matchup. I just don't like the whole Jarrett interaction. Next up was a tag team matchup for the uh, Young Bucks taking on top flight, a true high-speed and fly, high-flying encounter between two of the best teams in AEW. Dante and Darius Martin have put together some great outings in the last month, and this one was no different. Nick Jackson was the star of the show, in my opinion, as he was full of adrenaline. Darius shoved the Bucks into each other, got a roll-up, and got a huge win for him and his brother. Enjoyed everything about this matchup from beginning to end. The Oz Boys came out, and they are immediately cut off by the acclaimed. After some back and forth on the mic, it turns into a brawl. Billy Gunn breaks them up and says all four men have been bad, and next week it's time for family therapy. Oh, God. Renee then interviews Hangman Adam Page, and Page tells us that he got back what he lost to Moxley a few months back. He tells uh, he looks worried when Renee says Mox is fine but hurt, and then Hangman walks off. So I guess they're doing this whole I feel remorseful for you storyline, even though Moxley is not injured. Ricky Starks then took on uh, Jake Hager. What should have been a great match turned into a lot of outside interference. Parker and Menard kept getting involved, and it hurt this matchup deeply. Hager tried to put Starks through a table, but Ricky reversed out of it. Starks finally took out the JSA goons and hit a big spear on Hager to pick up the win. Decent, but not good. Chris Jericho then cuts a quick promo, and he says that he either wants it to be him teaming with Garcia or Guevara next week to take on Starks and Andretti. Daniel Bryanson, Daniel Bryanson, uh, excuse me, Brian Danielson, I don't know why that was so hard for me to say, then took on Bandito. The match of the night and maybe the best matchup that's been on AEW in quite some time. Danielson continues to battle to be the number one contender, and he is doing a damn fine job. Bandito knows how to mix up his style and match up perfectly with his opponent's move for move. Danielson hit a psycho knee out of nowhere. Got a hard-fought victory, absolutely incredible by both guys. Post-match, MJF delivers a promo from the big screen and tells the fans that they are fickle. He also says that Danielson may be a dragon, but a dragon is no match for the monster that MJF will be when he takes his mask off. Soraya voices her displeasure at Sheeta backstage, but Tony Storm sticks up for her. Tony blames the AEW homegrown women and says Soraya and her are stars. 
Tony plans to prove that when she takes on Willow tonight, to which Soraya says that Sheeta should stay backstage. Hmm. Brian Cage is announced as the next opponent for Brian Danielson, and that should make for a tough matchup. MJF interrupts and offers Cage a ton of money to take out Danielson. Interesting. Then we go to the ring for Tony Storm taking on Willow Nightingale. This was a matchup that is going in 20 different directions. Sheeta came out to watch. Soraya yelled at her. Tony Storm cheated against Willow, and Willow tried to come back but couldn't do it. Soraya distracted the referee. This allowed Tony to get a roll-up, grab the tights, and pick up the win. Post-match, Soraya and Storm beat down Willow after the bell and have apparently turned heel. Ruby Soho makes the save, and the fans boo Soraya as loud as possible. So are Baker and Hater face now? Did the feud between them and Soraya and Storm end? What the fuck is going on here? Explain a little more. Time for our main event, though. And this definitely was a great main event. It's Darby Allen defending his uh, TNT title against Kushida. Again, another banger of a match as these two went toe-to-toe perfectly. Kushida has always been great, just misused in WWE. And Allen is getting back to being a badass. Kushida had the match won on more than one account. But Darby kept fighting back. Allen surprised Kushida hooked the leg, and turned it into a bridge, got the win. Excellent counter right here between these two wrestlers. Darby Allen is still your TNT champion. AEW fired on all cylinders tonight and put on a great show, giving Dynamite a 4.5 out of 5 because I actually enjoyed everything, and even the stuff I didn't enjoy let me ask the right questions about future storylines. So, AEW definitely comes up big over NXT this week. There's only one more segment left. It hasn't been back the last couple weeks, but it is back tonight with two different subjects. So let's go ahead and find out exactly what... That's right. It grinds my gears, ladies and gentlemen. And the first topic is Mercedes Monet saying she wants to put New Japan Pro Wrestling on the map. Now, I've been watching New Japan Pro Wrestling for about the last 10 years wasn't just when the elite came out or the new, you know, the, the, the bullet club I've been watching on and off for about 10 years. And in my opinion, and this goes back to even before I started watching guys like Antonio Noki, great Muda, Jushin Thunder Liger, Mitsuhiro Misawa, you know what I mean? Those guys in Japan helped put that company on the map. And then Gaijin like Hulk Hogan, and Andre the Giant, and Demolition Smash, when he, uh, definitely Demolition Axe when he would go there and be the super machine, they helped put that company on the map. And then you get to the Bullet Club days, and people like Finn Balor, Kenny Omega, AJ Styles, Tama Tonga, uh, you know, members of the Bullet Club of that nature, guys like Okada, Tanahashi, those are the men who put a... a New Japan Pro Wrestling on the map. Shasha Banks, a.k.a. Mercedes Monet, is not going to put New Japan on the map. She is a mere blip on that map, ladies and gentlemen. And the fact that after her god-awful ring entrance with her crusty cheese-looking hair, botched move in the middle of the ring, and bad, bad, bad promo inside the ring, went so terrible for her to think that she's now going to put them on the map is bullshit. Now, I get it. She likes to make her ego run wild. That's a part of her character. She's the blueprint. She's the boss. She's the this yada, yada, yada bullshit. But 
Nobody goes to a New Japan show to watch the stardom women or the New Japan women's division. They go there to see Tanahashi, Okada. They go there to see Jay White. They go there to see the Gorillas of Destiny and a shit ton of other great Japanese male wrestlers. That's not to be sexist, but that's why they go. They don't give a shit about the stardom women, except for a select few. And guess what? Mercedes Monet isn't one of them. So she needs to get over this little ego trip just because they paid her a couple bucks more than Chris Jericho and shut the fuck up. Because that might be the stupidest thing I've ever heard. On to subject number two. And this goes on about Raw 30. It is the Raw 30th edition, uh, 30th anniversary next week. Why the hell are the Bella Twins considered legends and being brought back for Raw 30? The Bella Twins, who were not on the first Raw, were not on any monumental Raws and did nothing to help to make the Raw brand anything that great, are now being brought back. Why are we not bringing back Lita, Trish Stratus? Why are we not bringing back a boatload of women like Ivory, Jacqueline, you know what I mean? Hell, bring back Terry Runnels, who was actually there during the Attitude Era, okay? But you're bringing back the Bella Twins. Why? Because one of them has a show that comes on after Monday Night Raw. Because one of them is married to da Brian Danielson, who works for the other company. And you want to keep her happy, so maybe she doesn't sign with them if she ever decides to come back in the ring. Both of those women, those twin sisters, were nothing but botch fests. And they allowed other women who were just starting out in the wrestling business, who were models before coming to the wrestling business, to think, well, if the Bellas could do it, I could do it. No, the Bellas couldn't do it. They only got the success that they got because of who they were sleeping with or married to. Okay? Furthermore, they only got a lot of the success that they got towards the later part of the career because their mother was sleeping with John Laurinaitis, who she's now married to again. So therefore, they got their credentials, their celebrity, their part in the wrestling business because they slept around. Neither one of them have great wrestling ability. Neither one of them know how to cut a promo. Their feud with each other was god-awful, and now you're going to bring them back to Raw 30 ridiculous wwe you're grasping at straws you are literally not able to bring back certain stars because they're either working for the other company or other companies and can't come back and you're looking to bring back anybody that's willing to say yeah i'll work for peanuts and that's ridiculous now remind you i will say i have been on a wwe kick the last couple of months since triple h took over this is the first time i'm actually shitting on something the wwe has done so it must be pretty big if I'm that pissed off about it. But whatever the case may be, next week we will be talking about Raw 30 in its entirety. I will do an entire show review. The highlight reel will feature NXT and AEW. We will have some quick hits. And I will also do my Royal Rumble predictions and talk about what's going to happen at the Royal Rumble Hopefully, I will get a chance to air this before the Royal Rumble goes on, and you guys can hear what's going to happen. So next week, a full-on Raw 30 review, quick uh, highlight reel involving AEW and NXT, and a Royal Rumble rundown of what's going to happen. I want to thank you guys for joining me. 
I want to thank you for your continued support of this show and all the shows here on WrestleNet Radio. Go ahead and check out the Nothing But Trouble podcast as we talk about wrestling this week. Take a look at all the shows that have been on Spotify, Apple Music. We've, we've had about six or seven, maybe even eight shows so far. So go ahead and check them out. Thank you for the continued growing numbers on that show as well. And I will see you next time on If You Smell What the Arch is cooking.